Hello and welcome to Boink Radio Podcast, your weekly roundup of Boink and science news here on the Boink Network Discord. This is a participatory podcast, meaning anyone is welcome to join the discussion through the voice chat or the text chat here on the Boink Network Discord. All you need to do is come on in every Friday at 4 p.m. EST and participate in the live recording. You don't even need to talk. We just kind of hang out and talk about other things, too, if you just want to sit around and have fun. I am your host, Jay Ringo, joined as always by our favorite Australian boinker, Delta. Say hello to the good people, Mr. Peeper. <laughs> people hey, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> great start to a great episode here in 2020. Very exciting new year. This week, we're going to be talking about the basics of Boink, introducing the technology and the concepts behind distributing computing. And there's awesome infrastructure that we all use that brings us all together. So if you don't know what any of this is, by the end of this show, maybe you'll go out and join a Boink project or decide, hey, I'm going to talk to my professor or my department head and make myself a Boink project because I have a lot of computing that needs to get done. And I'm sick of uh, sitting in line for my supercomputer or my cluster or whatever. So just to get things started before we get into the, the details here, Boink, which is a word I've said many times now is an acronym for the Berkeley Open Infrastructure for Networked Computing. Uh, It is spelled B-O-I-N-C, fun term. So to get things off, we have, if you've listened to the show over the past couple of weeks, you would have caught us getting things together. And we finally have music. So intro music, go! That was fun. Happy New Year. Hey. <laughs> Is anyone else bobbing their head? I was bobbing my head pretty hard there. Uh, and also, actually, before we get going to the topic, Delta, do you have tea today? Yes, I do. I almost spilled it from bopping too hard. Yes. Awesome. That's all we need to know about your tea today, because we have a lot to cover. So let's let's start this off with a little bit of dis- on distributed computing, which is this uh, this thing. I don't even know what to call it. Is it a tech? Is it a concept? Whatever, Boink uses it. Boink is the infrastructure that creates a distributed computing uh, network, a grid computing network. Delta, you want to talk about distributed computing a little bit? Yeah, so to be a little bit more specific, its core principle was volunteered distributed computing. So being able to volunteer your computing power. Uh, Now, what distributed means is that it's not all centralized to one area. So as we were talking about before, what scientists usually had to use back in the day is just centralized computing resources. They went to a university to use their supercomputers. They went to a university to use their servers or something like that. What distributed means is that it's no longer centralized to one area or one institution. It's distributed around the globe. And that's exactly what Boink is. It's It's a network of computers who are all doing computing around the world to help scientists with with what they're doing. And essentially, the culmination of all these little computers, your own computers at home, your laptops, your phones, they all combine together with all their computational power to become one huge global supercomputer. Beautiful. So one of the uh, core concepts is uh, the way we like to describe it uh, when it comes to actually doing scientific tasks is it takes a big scientific task, breaks it down into little chunks, throws those little chunks out across the network to all these many different computers that Delta is describing. Those computers complete the, the computation for that little chunk, send it back to the server or the researcher, who the, which then recombines it into a uh, the whole again. And at the end of the day, you have a, you have a result. It's pretty cool. Uh, uh, if you want some practical examples, like, for oh, example, um, scientists who are astronomers who want to examine the night sky, They'd run their telescope along the night sky for many, many nights to gather a big, big picture. They might be looking at the um, visible spectrum of light. They might be looking at x-rays. They might be looking at radio waves, whatever they're looking at. And then what you do is you take little chunks of that big picture and you send it off to the computers to get that little chunk processed. And then they return the results. And then in the end, you have a a huge scientific result. Awesome. And from these things, you get actual, like... Well, we'll talk about the actual results a little bit later. But uh, I do have a little tidbit here. Do you remember that uh, electric sheep screensaver back in the 90s? It was like late 90s. Anyone remember that? I wasn't here in the 90s. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> wow. For those of you listening, that the do... most I remember is Windows XP. <laughs> 
Oh no, you never got to have Windows 95. Oh, best intro, Windows 95. You should go download Win95 just for the fun of it. I think I will. <laughs> but yeah, for anyone who remembers Electric Sheep, uh, it was a great screensaver, very trippy, uh, a great step up from 3D pipes. And it was a distributed computer, a distributed network. So what would happen is this, uh, I don't know the exact details, but it would send out math fractals fractal problems across the network, which would then do math with the fractals, send them back and visualize it uh, in some trippy way. And it was a really fun screensaver. Uh, I know I definitely used it for probably about a year uh, until I found Boink, of course. This was in 1999. And before that, there was distributed.net came out in 1997. And then before even that was the great internet merging prime search. And I'm sorry if I butcher that word, but the GIMP search, which has done some awesome searching for uh, prime numbers. That was 96. So this distributed computing in a practical sense has been around since the 90s and in a theoretical level has been around since like the 70s or 80s. Like Boink is huge. Boink runs a lot of the distributed computing projects as uh, the infrastructure behind all these projects, but it is not the only one. There are plenty out there and there are people developing more and more uh, different ways to do it, different infrastructures. And Boink itself is, is developing its own infrastructure and GUI to uh, make distributed computing more accessible. Because as we move into a more data-focused world and produce crazy amounts of data as a society and just as science as well, we're going to need more and more computation power. And it just doesn't make sense to rely only on centralized supercomputing. In fact, a lot of companies have already switched from using uh, supercomputers, centralized computing, to cloud computing. So Amazon Web Services is a great example of this. I think Google has their own as well. So distributed computing is an alternative to cloud computing uh, where it is more open, uh, more uh, involving of the participants. And we'll talk often a little cheaper. bit about that later. And often way cheaper. We'll talk about that a little bit later too. Uh, yeah, so let's talk about first, and before we get into Boink specifically, although hopefully we can use a Boink project as an example here, let's talk about how uh, distributing computing actually helps researchers in terms of uh, way back how they used to do lab results into how how a scientist that's doing like protein folding, say, can use uh, distributed computing to complete a project and get a real world result. Delta, last year, ha, last year, 2019, you uh, were talking about you, you talked about the Open Zika project run by a Boeing project, World Community Grid, uh, that just completed their tasks and is a perfect example for what I'm talking about. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yep, surely. So the Open Zika project is a project that runs under Boink and it runs under the project of World Community Grid, which is run by IBM. Now, the Open Zika project was a project that was a distributed computing project that aimed to cure the Zika virus. If you don't know what the Zika virus is, it was, um, it's a mosquito-borne disease that was spread around, I think, Africa, and it's also spread a little bit into the United States and South America and stuff like that. And essentially, it just creates birth deformities. Now, what open, the Open Zika project did was it took about 10 billion possible like combinations of cures which might not be cures. And then it nailed them down to about 74 possible candidates that looked like a really, really accurate and possible cure. And essentially, this process means that instead of scientists going to the laboratory to test out 10 billion different proteins in each little Petri dish or whatever, they only need to go into the laboratory with only 74 types of proteins to test. And that reduces the cost significantly. And it's this type of, and this is the way that computing helps scientists. It gets rid of all the possible cases that are invalid, and it gives, you, it gives scientists the most accurate picture of what might be happening. It just, yeah, it, it saves so much money, so much time. It lets the researcher focus, like, They'll spend time setting up the uh, the application and getting it running, and then they just set up their project, let the network do its work, and then the researcher can go do something else while that project is running. Now there's a little maintenance involved, but uh, the OpenSeeker project ran for I'm gonna guess like a year or two, a couple of years, 
Uh, and then once these results are done, then the scientist gets to do uh, the lab work. And uh, they're coming up with a bunch of papers from this project, right? Yep, and hopefully a cure for it. Oh, man. Let's not get our hopes up. A step towards the cure, maybe. Uh, but hey, maybe. Who knows? A cure would be amazing. But uh, And having Boink slept on the vaccine would be <laughs> awesome, too. <laughs> Uh, other examples of uh, some stuff that has been done or that could be done done with uh, giant distributed computing networks. Uh, I was just listening to uh, another podcast the other day, and they were talking about patient-specific cancer treatments and how it's just a data-intensive data task to get um, uh, take the genetic data and the lifestyle of a patient and then find the most effective cancer treatment uh, regimen for this uh, person. There's a lot of different possibilities. So if you can take that data and anonymize it and put it into a computer, uh, onto a distributed computing network, and then throw all these different regimens at it, uh, maybe you're going to come up with a better, uh, the uh, a very personalized treatment for cancer or whatever disease is uh, afflicting this person. Uh, I think that's, that's awesome. And that's, uh, that's that's something that we're trying to do in medicine as like a society uh, moving forward is more patient specific stuff instead of one size fits all cures because that's not really how humans work. So, so maybe distributed computing has a role there. Um, other stuff, you know, the protein examples are really the the best examples. I think uh, you can do take that uh, what Delta described and apply that to like chemicals, material science. Uh, they've done stuff with solar and also panels. astronomy. It's Drone the same thing great, with yeah. the SETI at home. They're trying to look for aliens. So what they do is they constantly scan the sky for radio waves, and they get the computers to go through the radio waves and see if they can find something. And if they don't find anything, they just say, no, we didn't find anything. If they found something that looks interesting, they'll say, hey, look, I found this thing that looks really interesting. Have a, have a closer look. There's so much cool stuff. We've been in this, uh, Delta and myself, and a lot of the people in this Discord have been in this for so long. It's just like, it's and it's still amazing. You see the stuff that people are doing. Uh, and they just started like a quantum computing uh, project, quantum chemistry project the other day. It's like, what is happening? Uh, so there's so many different applications for distributed computing. And it's really just beginning. Uh, because as I've sort of already mentioned, we're just producing so much more data and so many different ways to analyze it. Like data science is a very, very young industry uh, and automated data science and all, all this stuff we're doing with the data, internet of things and whatnot, it's just beginning. So uh, seeing where Boink could go or just distributed computing, whoever develops it is gonna be uh, very exciting, very fun. Hopefully it'll be an open source, open data, open sort of principled entity that, uh, continues to the to push the field forward but it could not be all right so uh we've been talking for a little bit and there's quite a number of people here does anyone have any thoughts or want to add anything uh to what we've been talking about all right cool then we will move on here all right so that's like a pretty pretty fast overview of distributed computing what it is where it came from where it might be going uh so where does the boink fit into all of this and again that's the berkeley open infrastructure for network computing well first let's tell you what it where it came from. Boink came out of this uh, this project called SETI, SETI at Home, Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. I'm sure everyone listening to this has heard the acronym before. There's the WOW signal, had nothing to do with SETI at Home, but it's uh, related. Um, and that was around 1999. That was a distributed computing project put together by David Anderson and several other uh, really awesome people coming out of Berkeley in California. Uh, and once they got that distributed project going, which was really built off the principles of distributed.net and uh, GIMPs and even Electric Sheep, why not? Uh, <laughs> they developed, they, they evolved it, I guess, into an infrastructure into Boink. And that came out in 2002, 2003. And with Boink, anyone could do what SETI at home did before Boink, which is make a distributed computing project. Uh, so people started making distributed computing projects. Rural Community Grid, which is a project we already mentioned, uh, was one of the early ones. I think they started in 2004-ish. Uh, and there are a bunch of others. I, I'm not going to try and guess here, but there are a bunch that have that started way back then in the early era of Boink and are still around. And there are a good number that start and then disappear at the same time. They come and go, depending on whether or not they're supported 
by funding or institutions or whether or not they complete their science. Uh, a lot of projects do end up completing their science using this infrastructure because it is a giant computer. It's a lot of computing power. Uh, so it, uh, Boink ran as sort of a uh, Berkeley project for, uh, let's say, about 10 years. And then in 2013, uh, it was open source in terms of like the source code was always open source, but the organization structure was given to the community. So they put out a, a management committee. They sort of distributed responsibilities across a wide array of contributors. And they're still sort of going through this transformation process. Uh, and during this, they started doing Boink workshops where every year a bunch of people from different projects and from just developers on the Boink project and also just enthusiasts and crunchers get together and talk about how to make Boink better as a community and, and software. Uh, so that's a new thing that has come about in the past couple of years uh, out of this open sourcing of the um, organization. Uh, and that's kind of where we are now. Boink is starting to pick up pace in terms of development. There are meetings every other Thursday having to do with uh, contributions. People talk about different commits and pull requests and what is going on in terms of the development side. There are meetings. Old funky programmer stuff. Right. And there are meetings every, I think, three or four months. I think it's quarterly on uh, just sort of all the projects try to get together and talk about uh, what they're doing and where they want to go and what they want to see done with the infrastructure. So uh, it, it's pretty neat to see. And, you know, during all of this, a logo was made. It's a really cool logo. I wish I remembered the name of the person who put it together off the top of my head so I could give them credit, but I do not. Uh, and lots of people have started to contribute to the code because it is open source, like Delta, who has put some work in, I think. Yeah, are you still working on it? Uh, not currently working on it, but I have contributed to the source code a little bit. And uh, if you're an entry-level programmer, there's even if you're not an experienced programmer, there are some small programming tasks that you can actually do. And it is if you talk to one of the guys here in the in the Boink Network Discord, uh, they can get you started with some of the projects uh, working on uh, on on Boink on the Boink software itself. Yeah, I actually saw you and uh, Vitaly, and I think it was Jim in the conversation too, uh, in the development channel here on Discord, and trying to figure out what's going on was something you were some issue you came up with. Yeah, yeah. Is... I mean, because this is uh, this software, the Boink software has to be cross-platform. It has to work on Android. It has to work on Mac. It has to work on Windows. It has to work on Linux. So there's bound to be issues popping up, <laughs> and that was one of the issues that I had compatibility. Awesome. It's just a great example of why this Discord is a great sort of community to get involved with. Uh, just so all these people are talking about Boink and the software and working together. Um, okay, so that's the history of Boink. Uh, what else do we want to talk about? We can talk about the cost savings. Uh, yeah, let's talk about the benefits. So the essentially the cost savings of Boink is that it reduces the cost of not not only practical science as we talked about before with all the proteins, but it also reduces the cost of computational science because no scientists no longer need to first of all test twenty billion proteins in the lab, and no longer do they have to pay for a really really expensive supercomputer. And Jeringo, you can give some information on the costs of supercomputing and cloud computing, can't you? Yeah, I've got some numbers off of the uh, Boink wiki over at boink.berkeley.edu, which is the main website for Boink, which we probably should have mentioned at the beginning here. But uh, this is saying that uh, in this scenario, you need 100 teraflops of processing for one year. And uh, these numbers are coming off of the average of, I think, the six largest uh, computing projects on the Boink network. So those are projects like World Community Grid and LHC and what have you. So we'll be talking a little more about projects in a little bit. But if you wanted to get one of those huge projects, be one of those huge projects, it would cost uh, $175 million if you're using Amazon's Elastic Computing Cloud. Uh, that's based on 10 cents per node per hour. It would cost $12.4 million to build a cluster, and that's including the power and air conditioning infrastructure, the network hardware, the computing hardware, the storage, the electricity, and the sysadmin personnel. And then it's claiming it would cost about $125,000 to set up and run a Boink project. And yes, it says that's based on the average throughput and budget of the six largest volunteer computing projects, which again, are huge projects. So that, that's the worst million. case scenario, pretty much. Right. 
talk about that a little bit. Talk about like these projects are huge, and then there's the tiny one. They are huge, and the great thing about Boink projects is that anyone can start it. So you can have tiny projects that are started on a laptop in a cupboard, which uh, I remember Yo-Yo at Home was started in a, on a laptop, and I think uh, Amicable Numbers, um, another Boink project, is was started by just two people and just a little dinky server in a cupboard. But as for larger projects, for example, World Community Grid, it's run by IBM. IBM has a lot of funding, and they are very... I don't know if I should say philanthropic, but they they like to uh, they are glad, gladly donating um, admin resources and um, donating it to uh, their own Boink project, which is World Community Grid, and they have their own servers. It's running on their own servers. Their own staff manages it. Um, they have their own staff managing customer uh, not customer service support. Sorry, <laughs> and. Um, they, they have all this stuff, they have the server rooms, they have everything. So they're paying big bucks to host all these Boink projects. And it just goes to show that anyone can start it and you have big projects and you have small projects. Yeah, and some examples of some other big ones. I already mentioned LHC, there's uh, Baker Lab. We've talked about this in previous episodes. They just got like tens of millions of dollars of seed funding, right? A venture capital yep, funding. Yeah, they did. What other big ones? Uh, I know that the Max Planck Institute uh, does some projects. Uh, a bunch of universities do projects, uh, and uh, these are funded or not funded, or just maybe they're supported by a department or just a really enthusiastic uh, professor or researcher. Uh, I know that's a lot of projects, actually. It's just enthusiastic people doing really cool research. Um, and then, like Delta was talking about, there's those base-level uh, projects that are just set up in a closet, which is amazing. So for that high level for like IBM for World Community Grid 175 million dollars if they were using Amazon 12.4 if they were building their own cluster in house and 125,000 for a year of running this giant boink project that might have just came up with a cure for zika like <laughs> or zero if they use their own infrastructure <laughs> <laughs> i guess uh and then the uh, time constraints here, it says it takes very roughly three man months to create a Boink project, although we will be talking about this in a future episode, and we talked about it a little bit in the past. Uh, one of the main things that Boink is trying to develop currently is a smoother UX for researchers so they can basically plug and play with their application uh, so it wouldn't take three man months to create a Boink project. Uh, it also says it would recommend one month of an experienced sysadmin, one month of a programmer, and one month of a web developer. And so once the project is running, it says is you're going to budget in 50% for a full-time employee to keep the thing up and running. Uh, and in terms of hardware, you'd need a mid-range server computer and a fast connection to the commercial internet. So that's the awesome part. All you need is a server. You don't need to get all the GPUs or CPUs because what you're doing is you're using the GPUs and CPUs of all these volunteers around the world who are like, I want to contribute to scientific discovery and to research and to curing diseases and to discovering things out in the cosmos. So I'm going to give you my GPU and CPU uh, and my attention and my time. We'll be talking a little bit about that a little later. Uh, so those are, those are some pretty big uh, uh, cost savings and sort of benefits to running a Boyd project. The just straight up money and the uh, simplicity, that just the fact that anyone can do it. Uh, in addition to this, and I just alluded to it, there's the, the communication between the researcher and the cruncher and the community, the, the sort of the network aspect that we'll talk about in a little bit with Boink. So I talked a little bit about the Boink Workshop, which is a yearly get-together of Boink contributors, researchers, crunchers, and enthusiasts. Uh, that's one aspect of community, which is really cool. Uh, anyone think of any others? Uh, maybe just the crunchers being included in results. Like for example, on Prime Grid, your if you find a big if you buy, if you find any Prime at all, um, your Boink name will get included into the result. Awesome. Yeah, and they just Prime Grid is a project we probably should have mentioned earlier. They're a fairly large project that runs with fairly minimal infrastructure funding, I'm pretty sure. And they have found some crazy number of mega primes, which are prime numbers of over a million digits. Um, and yeah, they, they include their, their community. They have a great community. They have their own Discord. Uh, I'd recommend going checking it out. They have a Twitter, at PrimeGrid. Uh, and the community there is amazing. So if you're just some, uh, some person new to distributed computing, new to technology in general all you need all you know how to do is to get online and like join a forum 
and you go, but you're like, I want to help find prime numbers. I want to get involved at Boink. You go to Prime Grid and you go to the community. They'll help set you up and get you going. And once you're going, you've been brought into the network through Prime Grid, but then you can go to every other project as well. And there's 30 some odd projects. So there's community benefits everyone. If you have one group of one project really bringing people into the Boink network, every other project benefits greatly. Uh, and there are some other sort of tangential benefits to just society as a whole that this community aspect, this network aspect brings uh, brings about. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, anything else on this sort of cost, communication, community? Uh, oh, uh, another thing, another benefit that we'll be talking about in a little bit that this sort of community aspect uh sort of encourages is the development of the infrastructure and the projects themselves, because most of these things are FOSS projects, free and open source software, which means that they are run based on people volunteering their time to develop the software. Or in the case of like IBM or World Community Grid, uh, large entities sort of fund development uh, with their IBM calls World Community Grid, their corporate outreach project. So a lot of the people that work on World Community Grid also help work on Boink. For example, World Community Grid hosted the Boink workshop this past year. Um, and you know, if you're familiar with open source projects, you'll very much recognize that sort of funding model and development model as Linux uh, is largely supported and funded by major companies that use the Linux software. Uh, so that community, the community development and the communication, that connection between a researcher and a cruncher and the developers and all, all these different peoples, these different aspects of the network really helps push development forward. Uh, any other thoughts on that or anything else we've talked about in like the past 10 minutes? So we've been talking about sort of uh, setting up point projects and what's required and how anyone can set up a point project. And maybe there are these on the high end on the world community grid scale, there's uh, funding requirements and personnel requirements, but at the same time, there's people who can just set up on their own. And we have someone who has been setting up their own project here. I think it's working on, um, <laughs> I forgot what they're called, Latin squares. And uh, was it prime numbers, Broad? Prime numbers, yes. Interesting yeah. uh, sequences of prime numbers. Yeah, maybe you want to talk a little bit about what that experience has been like for anyone else who's thinking about sort of tinkering with the Boink software and getting a project running. Well, I was uh, thinking about setting up Boink project once I, uh, I penetrated deeper into how Boeing uh, works and being fascinated by Boeing for some time. Uh, but I didn't know what to actually do in the project uh, until I uh, came across a scientist, amateur scientist, who had uh, uh, problems and applications to, to run. And they were running it by sharing data files and intervals via email. Huh. So, yeah, the, uh, this what infrastructure did you need to distributed get project uh, started? Um, the infrastructure, uh, about the time I uh, bought a Raspberry Pi clone, well, it was not a clone, but you know how there are many uh, yeah, yeah, manufacturers and flavors of these computers. So it is not original, but it, it was uh, very, very nice. And so I set the server up on this com com mini computer. It has a SATA port, so it can use hard drive for extra storage and SD cards and stuff like that. And uh, yes, the the uh, user experience is not very good. The it, it takes some uh, effort to set up the Boeing project and to make to anchor, uh, persuade all the software to to compile and install correctly. It's not, not uh, just a point and click procedure, but uh, it was very interesting and I, I did it. And uh, I got experience in uh, setting up uh, distributed systems. Uh, I would like to point out that uh, not only creating the application itself is uh, uh, takes uh, development resources, but also the server infrastructure. Uh, well, not in infrastructure, the server-side software. So it, the distributed computing project consists of the application that runs on client computers and also a program that generates and processes uh, the tasks uh, into and out of a Boeing project. Yeah, that, that sounds fantastic. 
Uh, I want to spin off that really quick before we get into how to participate as a cruncher, because that's a great point. Uh, for a lot of just the, the point you're making about how many different fields are involved in developing a Boink project from the, the researcher to the application development to the sysadmin to the server maintenance to like the hardware. Uh, so if you're working at a school, a high school, a university, or if you know someone who's working at a school, what you can do, it seems like at least fairly simply, is set up interdisciplinary projects where you have a engineering course, software engineering, develop the application in conjunction with the biology department or something. And then they go over to the IT department or what have you, and they develop a server and they run the server. So you can have, um, even down to a high school level, you're going to have these different courses, these different classes working together uh, to do science. And in the process of making this awesome project, that might be doing just simple mathematics. Uh, Latin squares and prime numbers are simple number crunching that have practical applications uh, or probably will one day if they don't right now. And they're going to learn about a lot of different stuff. And as the world gets a little more complex and all these things, all these fields are interacting, that is uh, very valuable knowledge to have, um, especially if you learn it as a kid, let alone what we're going to be talking about a little later in terms of like building a resume to go out and get a job. But uh, that that's amazing. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, Thomas, you said that uh, it was the UX was fairly difficult, but uh, fairly rewarding, right? To set up this project and have it running. I know you took a lot of time setting this thing up and troubleshooting. <laughs> I remember seeing all your, your messages on the Discord. There is something exciting about uh, having so much computing power available or like managing servers, managing uh, a system to run. Tell me about it, man. Boink is what? Is, I think we, we've worked it out in another community before. It's like the 23rd largest supercomputer in the world when you work through it. It's somewhere between like 20 and 25 uh, solidly, but it's a distributed network. So it grows and shrinks. And generally it grows because as people join the network and throw their computing power at it, well, it goes up in rank and increases the number of flaps that you can get out of this. And of course, yes, yes, yes. For those who are in the know, this is a little more, figuring out how powerful it is, is a little more complex than that, but at a very base level. Uh, yeah, Delta, were you gonna say something? Yeah, I was gonna say Moore's law. So as computing power gets more faster, you'll find that the computing power at the point network generally grows. Absolutely. and. On top of that, like the, the number of people who participate in Boink is minuscule as a percentage compared to how much hardware is out there. If people, more people knew about Boink and were energized by it, and like once they joined Boink, stayed on board and continued crunching for one reason or another, the network would grow exponentially. Uh, there's a lot of space for growth in distributed computing in terms of just getting people involved. Uh, right now, it's really relegated to uh, specialized uh, people who are specialists in, or just like tech tech nerds. So getting it out there, and that's a lot of what Boink is trying to develop, uh, is, is building this UX for crunchers and for researchers to really grow the potential. The like Thomas just mentioned, like having that computing power at your fingertips is really exciting. Imagine if it was twice as big, three times as big, ten times as big. Like oh man, uh, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. So. If you want to become one of these crunchers and contribute your resources to grow this this network, this give more power to Broad here, <laughs> how do you do it? Delta, break it down. Yeah, so um, <laughs> in the early days, it used to be a little bit complex starting up Boink, but in recent times, it's become a whole lot more easier. So first of all, you're probably going to want to pick what project you want to crunch. So boink.berkeley.edu or whatever the um, website is, uh, they have a projects list, and you can go onto the projects list and see which, which project interests you. There's all sorts of different things you can do. You can do astronomy, you can do physics, you can do biology, you can do quantum chemistry even. So first first uh, step is to pick which one you want to do. And then once you've figured out which one you want to do, you then open up your Boink. Uh, you download the Boink Manager, you install it. And uh, oh yeah, just uh, also mentioning that the project list is also in the Boink Manager itself, so you can also go and check it out there. But yeah, so install the Boink Manager, 
um, and then pick your project, make a new account on the project. It'll give you the option to do it within the Boink Manager, so it's nice and simple. Let it all synchronize and download all the files necessary, and then tweak a little bit of your settings to see how much you're computing, and then a presto, off you go, and you're automatically, you'll start automatically computing science. And if you want to go a little bit more technical, you can go into the options and make sure that your GPUs are also crunching because in your computer, you have the CPU and you also have the GPU. So the CPU, um, as I like to analogize it, it has less hands, but it does lots of different things. The GPU has lots of hands, but it does something very simple. So your CPU is used as what's, it's what pretty much runs your computer. It does all the um, normal stuff that you do on your computer, like calculating the time, calculating where this file has to go, all sorts of stuff. The GPU, the graphics processing unit, actually puts stuff on the screen. And the GPU is arguably a lot more powerful when it comes to distributed computing than the CPU. And so if you want to uh, maximize your contribution to the Boink network, you should really uh, consider picking a project that also uses the GPU. And on the project list on the Boink website, it actually lists which projects do um, GPU tasks. Now, as for how the entire process works, when your computer is sitting and waiting for something to compute, what will happen is your computer will talk to the project servers. So, for example, Broad, Broad has his own um, Boink server. So if I'm on Broad's project, um, I my computer will talk to his server and the server will say, OK, we have this many tasks in the database. Let's give the let's give this computer this task. All right. And so the server will send back a task for your computer to work on. And so your computer will work on that task, compute it. Usually this means running your CPUs and GPUs um, at a very high level with um, a lot of power running through them. And eventually you'll yield a result. And so once you have that result and when the task essentially finishes, your computer will send that result back to the server and then the server will organize the results in its database. And so that's essentially the whole process of it. Oh, and not to mention when um, you complete the task and it gets submitted and validated, you're, uh, you are rewarded credits. Now, these aren't. this isn't money. It's just the funny little thing that the Boink network has to sort of introduce a gamification aspect. So you can have more uh, credits than your friends. You can challenge your friends to reach a certain amount of credits. You can join a team and earn credits together. It's, it's a whole, uh, it, it generates its own little bit of competition. And there are competitions that are out there that uh, run. I think the most recent one was the Thor challenge with World Community Grid, where a whole bunch of different teams challenged each other to gain, gain the most credits in World Community Grid. And so it's a really nice, fun sort of competition. Now, in terms of compatibility, uh, Boink runs on a whole lot of different pieces of hardware. It runs on phones with some projects. It runs on your regular household computer, your PC. And it, it can even run on your laptop. And it can run on Raspberry Pis as well, if you have a whole bunch of Raspberry Pis. So there's a whole lot of things that are supported. So typically, if you have any sort of hardware like that in your ha house, you could probably run Boink on it and contribute your computing power. Now, the great thing about running Boink is that when results are produced, you have the chance of actually putting your name down on that result. A great example is Einstein at home. They searched for gravitational waves and they literally looked, uh, they, they listened to two black holes collide earlier, I think it was the year before last. And they actually managed to hear a black hole. If you want to know what it sounds like, it just sounds like whoop, and that's what two black holes colliding sounds like. And that was helped through the Boink network and any gravitational wave that Einstein at home finds, they usually put down the name of the Boink um, crunchers who actually crunch the tasks that actually produce that gravitational wave. And so you yourself, as a, as a Boink user and a cruncher and a volunteer, you become essentially a researcher yourself. You produce data that then goes on into the research. And uh, I think we might be talking about this soon, uh, Jay Ringer, but uh, running Boink is actually a really good educational experience. I've learned so much by using Boink just over the last five, uh, over the last five uh, six years now, I think now. Um, and it's just been a, yeah, it's, it's been a really, really fun educational journey because I went from not knowing anything about gravitational waves, not knowing anything about prime numbers, not knowing, not knowing anything about 
um, actually not knowing much about computers, but uh, knowing even more <laughs> about computers by doing by doing this um, by by doing Boink and volunteering, and it it is really a great way and a great entry into science if you've just like come out of high school or something and you're like oh I don't like science, and then you come onto Boink and you're like wow this is actually really cool. And I think the moment that got to me when I was using Boink for the first time was clicking on the show graphics button, which lets you see what your computer is actually doing and visualizing it and seeing on SETI at home all the little waves of the Fourier transform moving about and being generated. And I was like, geez, this is amazing. I want to know what this does. That is an excellent point. Uh, yeah, it's just it's the same for me. I've learned so much from uh, just doing the projects, finding out which one I want to do, because there are a lot to choose from. And, you know, it can seem a little overwhelming. Take 15 minutes, read the small little descriptions, and, you know, you'll find a couple that really pique your interest. And then go to their websites. And, uh, you know, some are better websites than others. Uh, but you're, you'll read a little bit, maybe check out the forums, or, you know, come on to this Boink Network Discord and talk to people and talk about what your interests are, what your hardware is. And people uh, generally are very, very friendly and will direct you where they think you should go. And of course, people will have their favorite projects. So if you're looking for protein folding, someone might say, go to World Community Grid. Someone else might say, go to Rosetta at home. Someone else might say, like, go to GPU Grid. <laughs> so you go have to these city. <laughs> go to uh, and, and yeah, there's, there's plenty of resources out there for you to get started. And I will put as many as I can remember and as many as I can find in the description to this episode. But you know, shameless plug, but also the truth. The easiest way to get involved is to join a Discord server where you can talk to someone live and uh, then they'll give you the resources right there in front of you. So you don't need to go fishing through a description that may be formatted strangely, depending on which platform you're using to listen to this. So yeah, you also touched on uh, a couple of the results uh, that you might get your name on as a cruncher. You know, the uh, uh, getting a pulsar with your like boink handle uh, in it named after you is pretty cool. Uh, getting attached yep, to prime numbers. I remember that one. Some of, some of these are giant prime numbers, and who knows what they're going to be used for in the future. Uh, getting like a shout out for, um, I think it was GPU Grid that just did a released a paper, and they basically said anyone who crunched a task a work unit with this name on it, and they gave out the name, and it has specific letters in it, is 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 credited in this paper. And you can go to the paper, and you see in one of the like. Uh, uh, thank yous or whatever you Nate, the word eludes me right now, but uh, it says the the Boink project and the task name, and it's like, oh, cool, that was me. This is sort of the pride. And maybe in the future, uh, we'll be able to credit people a little more specifically uh, as some of this technology develops that is on the fringes. But uh, what are some other things you'll be contributing to if you choose one of these thirty some odd projects and growing rapidly? Uh, the one I love to talk about, and I mentioned it a little bit in the beginning, is the solar panel one, the clean energy project, which was run by World Community Grid, that uh, found better combinations for more efficient, better chemical combinations to create more efficient solar panels. Climate change is a huge deal to me. Uh, I love the climate projects, the CPDN, uh, World Community Grid also does a couple sub-projects, uh, and there will probably be more in the future that are working with uh, climate modeling and whatnot. So I, I love contributing to those projects uh, and, and feeling like I'm helping, you know, in a small way, but also in a not so small way. New solar panels is kind of a big deal, uh, but helping to solve this really, really big problem. Uh, and uh, another favorite for mine are the space projects, uh, just because space has always fascinated me. So you can see how personal uh these projects are like it, these are my personal interests and then i go to the projects that uh, align with my personal interests so a lot of other people love crunching uh folding proteins and finding diseases or oh, geez finding cures to diseases <laughs> i hope no one's fighting a disease some super villain boink project out there <laughs> hey you gotta find the disease before you can cure it I'll take it. I'll take it. So finding diseases out there <laughs> and then curing them. Uh, what else is there? We talked about math, right? I think um, you forgot your favorite project, which uh, aims to build a oh robot God. that screams at you if you don't turn off your tap while brushing your teeth. Artificial intelligence, networking, ne or, uh, wow, machine learning. 
Exactly. I, th I think we should be clear about that project. That was a World Community <laughs> Grid project that um, was helping to aid efficiency of usage of water and management of water in, I think, was it Africa or somewhere else? Yeah, the or Africa rainfall, rainfall project. No, 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 that, that's the rainfall. Wasn't there a water project before that? I don't I'm pretty remember. sure there was, yeah. But yeah, but I remember clear, specifically it was trying to um, be more efficient with water usage. Yeah, and the AI robot does not exist. I just dreamed a little too hard, and this is what I want. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, but machine learning, uh, isn't there a project that just started uh, developing something to do with machine learning and like combining the two? Or am I completely losing my mind here? Um, I think Citizen Science Grid was one of them. Uh, but we don't really have that many AI projects, surprisingly. I, I'm actually surprised that, that it, this is a great um, opportunity. Distributed computing is a great opportunity to do research into AI and actually generate AIs. Yeah, there was, oh, I swear, there was a project. You just did a, like a mini brief on it in one of our episodes in the past. Uh, oh, well, but yeah, it's a great example or a great, great utility for uh, distributed computing is developing machine learning uh, algorithms. Uh, what else? What else? What else? DHEP was doing some pretty cool stuff. They unfortunately lost uh, the ability to continue, uh, but they were doing... Uh... Uh, I, I can explain that if you want. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah, so DHEP was essentially trying to find self-correcting hardware. So in your computer, you have all your components, and inside the components are circuits, and inside those circuits are what are called um, digital digital logic. And so essentially what digital logic is like um, and or and XOR and not, and if, if you've heard of that one, or if you've heard of those, but essentially they, it, it's what does all the math in your computers. And so essentially what they were trying to do was to find circuits, logic, logic circuits and logic gates that when implemented in the computer can figure out when they are breaking down, when they cause an error and actually fixing those errors on the fly. So for a great example of this is um, heart rate monitors in hospitals. If a heart rate monitor in a hospital starts to break down, you want to know it, right? Because otherwise you can't monitor the heart rate of the patient. So instead of having a heart rate monitor that just somehow breaks down at one point, uh, the heart rate monitor from DHEP might say, oh, listen, there's an error in this circuit. Um, we've corrected it, but you might want to replace the circuit or something like that. And uh, I think we should also mention some of the other um, interesting projects that not only use just the hardware for computing, but also use the hardware for data. Now, oh, yeah, there's, yeah, there's a project called Radioactive at Home, which uses an external sensor on your computer. So you buy a little Geiger counter, and then you hook it up to your computer, and it collects radiation data from your surrounding area. And it's able to, uh, on the website, they've actually made it so that the data from the contributors is actually placed on a live map. So you can see how much radiation is occurring in a particular area from all the volunteers. And this is very important because there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of nuclear power plants out in Japan, in Europe, um, and yeah, pretty much just all around the world. And we want to see whether the radiation from those uh, nuclear power plants is actually harmful to the community around them and thankfully radioactive at home has shown that it's in fact not harmful <laughs> awesome there's also uh, uh there was an earthquake project yes uh yes and what that project did was use the accelerometers uh in your hardware or one external to your computer now on a phone they, they have a accelerometer included on laptops they usually have accelerometers included and essentially all you need to do is just run it and then it'd just stay in the background record the accelerometer to see if there's any seismic activity and then they'd send that back to the servers and essentially you become your computer becomes a seismograph now unfortunately this project is no longer active but it is still taking data but the data won't be used for anything so many potential so much potential with these external sensor projects like who knows what you could do uh distributed climate uh sort of modeling distributed weather prediction uh so you don't need to rely on uh like in the u.s there's one essentially one entity that does all the weather prediction and sells out the data maybe we don't need those to uh create accurate weather predictions but uh the the possibilities with distributed computing in general are endless and then boink is the infrastructure which people can use to in to, to make these possibilities realities. So 
absolutely amazing stuff coming out of the network already. And uh, as we've sort of mentioned already, there are projects coming up uh, fairly regularly now, new projects coming out of universities and just out of people's uh, closets doing some pretty cool stuff. So it's going to be exciting to watch develop over the coming years and decades. Uh, so yeah, let's move in to the final sort of section here of today's episode. We're going to be talking about Boink as an open source project and Boink as a network. Uh, and we've sort of alluded to both of these a little bit uh, throughout the show. So uh, we already talked about the history of Boink, but when it comes down to it, Boink is a volunteer uh, project. Like the uh, the software is maintained by volunteers. There are people who can get, uh, who have gotten NSF funding and are use, use that funding to develop Boink. In fact, Boink was developed originally out of NSF funding. Uh, that's the National Science Foundation in the United States. Uh, and like I've already mentioned, the uh, uh, World Community Grid and other institutions who use the Boeing software have a vested interest in maintaining that Boeing software because they use it. So they also uh, spend some money to help maintain and develop the software, make it a little better. Uh, but really, there are a lot of people who contribute time just their own time out of passion for the project, out of uh, desire to contribute to uh, scientific advancement and the recognition that they have a specific skill set that Boink needs, that Boink could use to uh, advance itself. And in by advancing itself, advancing science and the principles on which Boink is built, which is sort of open source, uh, open data, uh, open participation, uh, all, all these open principles that have been around for many, many decades, which are sort of ingrained into the Boeing ethos uh, and, and the, the volunteer aspect. So as a, as a developer, perhaps, uh, you can look at Boink as a, uh, as a resume builder. I know if you are a developer, you've heard the saying, GitHub is your resume. Well, Boink is a hell of a GitHub project to contribute to for your resume because you're contributing not just you're not just learning about coding and on a fairly high level. Boink is huge. Boink is very complex. Um, there's server and client side sort of code you can work on, uh, but you're also learning how to interact with people who are not developers. You're going to be talking to researchers and uh, scientists and just everyday people who are using the software and want a a simpler way to interact with it or want a specific feature. And ideally, you're also going to be interacting with UX designers, uh, user experience designers, and uh, graphics designers, and people who want to make the process for uh, people to install the software and get on their favorite project and the process for researchers to start up everything and, and get their project going through the infrastructure. You're going to be talking to people who want to make that easier. And if you are a UX designer or a graphics designer, or a marketer or anything really, uh, Boink also needs you. Uh, and it's a great resume builder because of the same reasons. You're not doing the code, but you're learning how to market this really complex software that runs many different projects, that does many different things and involves many different entities and non-entities, just individuals. Uh, you're learning how to market that. You're learning how to uh, maintain a community with all these people working together. Uh, and it, it's just, even if you don't use it for your resume, uh, I have found it to be a very, uh, very satisfying challenge. <laughs> so I would highly recommend coming into the community, checking it out uh, on this Discord or like a Prime Grid Discord, or even on just the normal board uh, on the forums, the Blink forums. Uh, in my opinion, Discord is always more fun because it is live. But uh, in, in any way you can and contribute, and or just I mean, go to the GitHub, of course, uh, and find an issue and talk about that. Uh, Delta, yeah, what do you want to add? Yeah, so not only is it limited to just simply contributing to the software or the marketing and stuff like that, but your computing can actually be used um, to go into a resume. Like, I remember back, I don't know, two, three years ago, I was making a resume for something, and I actually included my certificate of computation for Boink, Boink computing because most projects allow you to actually print off a certificate saying that you've done X amount of gigaflops of, um, of computing. And so I actually use that. And not only could you use that, but if you do actually find the prime number or you do actually get your result into some research, you can also use that in your resume too. And the people, the reason why people will find that interesting and care about that is because they'll look into Boink and they'll recognize that uh, 
when you are contributing to this project and Delta talked about this a little earlier, like you're talking to the researcher and you're learning a lot about the science. You, most of the time, people don't just set up their computer to work on a, some random project and just let it go. Most of the time people will like learn about the project. What is going on with these prime numbers? Why are they interesting? What's going on uh, with, with the, these asteroids that we're finding and labeling? How does the naming structure work? And all this stuff. That, because Boink is more than just the computation science. As much as it is about the computation science, it's about so much more. There's that participation and education aspect, getting people who are not researchers into the academic world, into to the scientific realm and learning about stuff and really feeling connected to it. And then getting academics out of the academic world and into the real world and seeing how uh, just your average person views science and what they want, what their questions are. Uh, what, in, in the U.S. in particular, there's this huge disconnect between the academic scientific world and your everyday uh, individual. And getting out of the academic bubble will really help people see why that disconnect uh, happened and why it's continuing to happen and how maybe we can close it. So you, you and at the same time, you get the the just average person to participate in the science so they don't need to question how this thing was done they actually helped do it it's just, that's just so cool like that is it's so satisfying doing the work on the project and just seeing projects talk to uh people and explain their science to them uh it's an amazing thing and it's it also incentivizes projects to maybe hire science communicators and build out that field even more uh, then it has been built out since like the era of uh, Carl Sagan and Bill Nye and all those folks. Uh, it, it, there's a lot that Boink as a network can do uh, beyond just the software. It's a social network as much as it is a technical network. Uh, and and I, I think it's the closest that you can get to hands-on science. That's that's what I like to think of it. Besides, I mean, going out to school and doing that, that freaking yeah. science. <laughs> as I said, it's the closest <laughs> you can get to hands-on science. I think that's a good way to put it. And then on, uh, on on top of that, you know, having the individuals interact with the science project and having the science project interact with the individuals, you end up having all these different institutions who run uh, science projects, uh, run Boeing projects, interacting as well. So you have this giant network. You have a scientific network. You've built a scientific network in the same way that institutions have built a scientific network, like the academic network. Uh, so the possibilities when you do something like that are kind of... Uh, pretty far out there. But, you know, I'll use the Boink workshop as an example again. There are people from many different institutions around the world there just talking about their their research. And it was really cool. And and just getting into a room, how can we make things better for uh, for us, really? It was actually, you know, it, it's not bad to be greedy. It was greedy. And it was like, look, we're going to get together. And if we build up this infrastructure, which we all use, we are going to benefit from it. So are you. But we're going to benefit from it too, vastly. So it's it's really cool to see that sort of network build out. And as I think the world develops into a more uh, network of networks sort of reality, uh, it would be interesting to see what role Boink might play uh, in that reality. But who knows? I think that wraps up the first episode of 2020 and the uh, introduction overview of what Boink is. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us, uh, me, Delta, or anyone else here on the Discord. Uh, the link to the Discord will be in the description below. Or again, you can go to any of the other of the communities. They have Discords, they have forums, what have you. Ask away. People love to answer. Um, you can also reach out to me and Delta on Twitter. Uh, you can reach me at, uh, at the J Ringo. You can reach Delta at at delta underscore one five one two, you can tweet and you should follow us on uh, Twitter at Boink Network uh, to get sort of just like news as it comes and news about these uh, episodes. Uh, oh, and there's also a competition going on thanks to a listener, uh, the Flash Fire, I think his name was, uh, for invite codes to Prima Boinka. Uh, so if you follow at Boink Network and join the Discord and just say in the Discord general channel that you're here to get an invite code to Prima Boinka, which is a fairly exclusive Boink project that doesn't give out invite codes Very too often. Very exclusive. Uh, <laughs> you might win yourself an invite code. There are a limited number of invite codes we can give out, but please come on in and get one if you've ever wanted to join that project. Um, other than When's that, that next episode? Uh, oh. 
Yes, our next episode is next Friday. What is the date there? The 10th? You can listen to any past episode on our new website, boink.network, or your favorite podcast app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Library. Library is this awesome decentralized media hosting platform being developed that also uh, sponsors a group, which sponsors this show. The group is called library.science. So thank you for them for helping us like support the show. And for example, we use some of the funds to buy some the sweet intro music you heard at the beginning and the sweet outro music you're about to hear in a minute or two. Uh, yeah, so you can find them at library.tv. That's lbry.tv. Uh, definitely check them out. And I would encourage you to listen to the show on that platform. Um, other than that, Delta, am I missing anything? I'd say let's hope we have a scientific new year. Hey, oh, and we'll see you next week here on the Boink Network Discord, 4 p.m. EST. Hope to see you then. Till then, keep on crunching. Have a great weekend. Oh, yeah. Woo.